Today I want to talk about being connected to each other. I want to talk about being connected to each other in this church especially. It's an important factor of our faith that we have to know how to be connected to each other. And I've got a question which I've asked myself, which is why are churches or why is the Christian uh, uh, concept any different from any other group? Why is a church any different from any other gathering, like a sports event, a school event, or any other event? What is it that makes it different for us? And I thought about it, and I thought, well, there's, there's very little that joins us together. Geography doesn't really join us together as a church, and I don't mean just our church here. I mean the church across the, the world. It's not based on geography. It's not based on Israel, because <laughs> uh, we don't all have to gather at Israel. It's not based on our gender. It's not based on our age. It's not based on our nationality or our color. It's not based on anything. There is no reason for us to get together other than one thing that joins us all together, and that is Jesus. We know that as Christians, and for those that are not Christians, it seems like an odd thing that we would gather together over someone who lived 2,000 years ago in their mind is dead, but for us is still alive, right? It's the only thing that joins us together. And I remember when it was a, about a year ago, I was up in the, I was up, I was over in India, and we had a team over in India, and uh, we, were, we were ministering there, and the pastor had taken us to one of his small churches, and uh, we, we, you know, we weaved through India, uh, because that's how you drive over there, you just weave, right? And we were trying to get over to uh, the other side of uh, Hyderabad there. And so we got out of this little car, and we all squeezed out of this car, and we went to this, this block of, of uh, apartments, and, and outside we could hear this loud noise going on. And we went into the, this little rabbit warren of, of corridors, trying to find our way up the stairs to about the third or the fourth floor. And the closer we got, the more we realized that this was singing that was happening upstairs. And it was something that made all of our hearts jump. And as we were you know, going single file, we kept looking around at each other going, can you hear that? Can you hear what's up there? And it was something that happened in our hearts that just jumped out of our chest of feeling like we knew these people even though we had never met them before. Something inside of us said, we know what we're walking into. Why? Because the same spirit is in them is in us. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in them and it's in us. And we have never met them before. And I'm from Scotland over in a roundabout way through America. And I come over to the middle of India and I hear someone singing about the same Savior that I'm believing in. That's what connects us. That's what's exciting about our faith. That's what's exciting about the, the church of Jesus Christ that Christ gave his life for. That we are connected through him to each other, regardless of where we are or whenever we are, wherever we are in the world, whenever we are walking into a room, wherever we are, you should be able to be connected to any Christian at any given time. Someone shout hallelujah. hallelujah. What I want to do right now is I want to do something a little weird. Are you ready for weird? Everyone loves weird, <clears throat> except the ones that don't love weird. I want us to do uh, a little fun thing right now, okay, because we're meant to be connected to each other. And one of the things that we do for the sake of order and comfort is we always, we always sit in rows, right? Because it makes sense. 
But what I want us to do right now is I want you to get up this morning and I want you to go find someone that either you don't usually talk to or someone who is brand new. If this is your first time to Northwest, really sorry because there's a whole bunch of people about to descend on you right now, okay? Uh, but if this, is, <laughs> if, this is, if this is your first time, then okay, welcome. You're going to get 103,000 different friends right in here, okay? Um, uh, uh, what I want us to do is I want us to get up and I want you to meet someone that you don't usually talk to or maybe you've never met before. And then I want you to introduce yourself and let's just be about the business of being connected to each other. Are you ready to do this? Ready? Let's all stand, right? And then I'm going to say, ready, steady, go. And then you're going to descend upon someone. You ready? Steady, go. Go. If you're watching online right now or you're listening to the podcast, you'll probably hear quite a buzz going on in the room. And um, if you, if you can do this yourself, maybe you're out for a walk or you're listening on the podcast and Maybe you should just smile at someone and introduce yourself and say, hello, how are you? It's good to try and meet other people, but specifically, I want us as Christians to meet new Christians as well. And um, if you're sitting at home watching this, then I want you to be mindful of doing this this week to take the time to find someone that maybe you haven't said hello to before or to go speak to someone that uh, you know is a Christian who does have a faith, maybe it's one of your neighbors, and just go speak to them. Let the spirit that's within you come alive to, re to, to, to activate the spirit that's within them. And let's, uh, let's, uh, let's make this body an amazing place to be. We'll be back just in a few seconds. <laughs> well, maybe we should uh, wind up. Let's find our seats again. I want you to take a time to uh, try and get the phone number of a new person that you found this morning and, and call them this week. Text them. Tell them you want it, you're praying for them and you're thinking of them as well. I want to ask you a question this morning. If you could only say one last thing to your family, what would it be? Some of you have maybe even experienced this where you've lost someone and you know what it's like to have your last words and the last words you did speak to your family. But if you could predict that you'd only have one last thing to say to your family, what would it be that you would say? It's an interesting question. Because sometimes we can often think, well, maybe I tell them I love them, or maybe I tell them what the, uh, what, the, what the code is to the safe, or maybe I'll tell them, you know, I never really did like your cooking after all. I just want to get that out there so I can have my confession before I go see Jesus, right? But what would be the last thing that you would tell the ones that you loved? And I thought about this, and I went and looked up in the Bible the last things that Jesus said. And Jesus actually took some time with his disciples in uh, John chapter 13 to 17. And he took a lot of time with them in the upper room, as we know. And he actually taught them this, this principle of communion, where he took the bread and they took the wine. And in fact, the word communion is really about community. It's about being connected to each other. And everything that he said actually amounted to this peak and final thing that he said to them, which was, I want you to take these sacraments to remind yourself of me and to remind yourself of what it is that I'm trying to build, which is the body of Christ. 
which is the kingdom of God here on earth. And when he was saying this, he said quite a few things to them. He told them about his death. He told them about the future of what was going to happen. He told them about the Father. He talked a lot about the Father. And of course, he said, I must go because I'm also going to send someone else to you, which is the Holy Spirit. But the one thing that he said that was like a thread through everything he said in chapters 13 to 17 was, there was one word he used, and this thread is the thread of love. He kept talking about love and going back to these threads of love. And when I looked and studied this, I could see that there were four different threads that Jesus talked about when he was talking about love. Number one was this, the love for his disciples, the love that he had and the affection that he felt for his disciples. Number two was their love for him. Number three was their love for each other. And of course, the fourth one was the love of the Father. Looking at the love for his disciples, I think it's an interesting thing because I think we can all agree that Jesus loved his disciples. And in 13 verse 1, it says this, it was just before the Passover festival and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the very end. He loved them. He deeply loved them. The affection that he had for them was very deep. It was a special love that he had for his disciples. The interesting thing is, he never actually did any particular amazing miracles for them. It's not like he made them super rich, unless you, you, you count the, the time when, when uh, Peter took in all that catch of fish. But as soon as he took the catch of fish in, he actually walked away. He didn't do any super amazing miracle by raising them from the dead or doing some amazing healing miracle within their life. He did nothing of the sort when it comes to that type of thing. So what did he do? How did he love his disciples? He loved his disciples in this way. The, the number one way that he really loved them was he just simply spent time with them. He cared for them. He defended them when the Pharisees were criticizing them and pulling them down and, and trying to poke holes in their life and, and pointing out the sins in their life. He would always step in to defend them. He didn't embarrass them when they actually failed. When they tried something and they failed miserably, he always protected their dignity. And he prayed for them. He would take time to go away to pray with them and to pray for them. He trusted them to do his work. He had a very specific work and he said, I'm now going to hand this over to you. Now, if that was me, I would go, I think you guys need a little bit more training before I hand this type of stuff over to you. And he answered their questions, no matter how silly those questions were. But the most important thing that Jesus did for his disciples to show how much he loved them was he spent time with them. He spent time with them. The second thing, love that Jesus talks about that is a thread that I can see through going through these scriptures is the love, their love, for him. <clears throat> and in John chapter 14, verse 15, it says, if you love me, keep my commands. If you love me, keep my commands. One way love absolutely stinks. When I was a 14 or 15 year old uh, kid or guy, teenager, man, <clears throat> with a breaking voice, <clears throat> I remember really liking this girl and she showed how much she actually liked me. And I'm like, well, I'm in like sin, okay? I'm right in with this one, okay? I'm, I've definitely got this girl right here, okay? This is it. We're going we're gonna to fall in love, and this is going to be amazing. And she showed how much she liked me. And then the following week, she turned up to group and announced that she was dating this other guy. And I felt devastated, right? Has anyone ever been through that before? One-way love stinks. It does. And sometimes I wonder, 
if this is how Jesus feels. Because the fact is, we often think that Jesus has got copious amounts of love, that surely he is not rejected by how much we don't love him. When the fact is, he's human. And maybe he feels the rejection of how much we don't love him sometimes. Even though he has given his heart to us, even though he's given his life to us, even though he loves us so deeply, sometimes I wonder if he feels rejected because we don't love him in the same way. The third thread of love that Jesus talked about was their love for one another. And this is where I want to really dig in right now. Because in John chapter 13, verse 34, it says this. Jesus said, a final and a new and a last command I'm about to give you. And this is it. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Is the world unconvinced by the message of the church simply because they see us loving the wrong things? Sometimes I wonder if as Christians we can be so enamored with our homes and with our cars and with our vacations and our vocations. We have more pictures maybe posted about the wonderful things we're doing than the, than, than the fact of the wonderful person that we actually love. I wonder if sometimes we are more enamored by the great things that we can achieve here on earth than we are about what Jesus is doing on this world and what he is doing in my life. I sometimes wonder if we can often enamor pastors and preachers too much. We can sometimes talk about, I love my pastor so much, and we're just elevating this person up, 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 when the fact is, it's Jesus that really matters. And I remember watching, I'm not sorry, I remember listening to uh, a new acquaintance that I've uh, 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 found, and, and he was telling me about, he was at a conference not so long ago, and uh, they were worshiping, and they were worshiping, it was an amazing worship time, he said, and then uh, unannounced, they actually, the, the uh, organizers of the conference had actually had a very famous country singer come to sing, and she got up and she sang a worship song in the middle of this, of this whole convention, and he said, half the people went nuts, they were screaming their guts out, screaming for this amazing pop star who was singing a worship song. Isn't this amazing? And he said, I'll never forget looking at my fiance thinking, is this odd that they are more enthusiastic about this pop star singing a worship song than they are about all the worship songs we just sang to Jesus? Sometimes the world can see us loving the wrong stuff. I wonder if we sometimes, uh, I don't, I, you know, we're, we're going for a new building. But let me get this clear. We're not getting a new building simply because we want a comfortable building. Simply because we want it pretty for its sake of being pretty. We want it because we want more people. We want more people to love. We want a fatter bride of Christ. We want more people who are joining the church of Jesus Christ to follow him as disciples too. That's our passion. That's why we're sacrificing to do something great by having a new church. Sometimes I wonder if, 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 if people look at us and see that we're more in love with the programs that we're doing, that we can promote more programs than we are about talking about Jesus. But let me tell you this, there is only one thing that convinces people that Jesus is alive. And Jesus said it right after this verse, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another by this. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Hello. This is true evangelism. 
of all the great geniuses that we can come up with to try and win other people to Christ, let me tell you, there is no better, safer, more brilliant way than to tell anyone else about Jesus than the way that you love the person who's sitting right beside you right here and right now. Maybe you've been hurt by the church. Maybe you've got a good reason to not feel that love anymore, but let me tell you, the world is not convinced that, you, that, 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 that Jesus is, they're not unconvinced that Jesus is alive because you were hurt. They are convinced that he is alive because the way that you respond to the situation, how you react and respond to being hurt, how you react and respond to being crushed yourself, that's what makes people believe that Jesus is alive. The last thing that he talked about was the love of the Father, the love of the Father. He said this, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Jesus basically was saying that his love was based on his Father's love for him. One thing I've learned is this. It's easy to think that we can actually love each other very simply and easily. All I have to do is choose to do that. Let me tell you, you're going to have enough evidence and enough reason to not love the person beside you. You're going to have more reason and more evidence to believe that you shouldn't put any more into that person beside you. But I'm telling you, the only way that we can love the person beside us is because the Father's heart is inside of us. Because we're constantly seeing what he has done for us and how he is constantly there to bring us salvation, to bring us fatherhood, to bring us safety, to bring us love, to bring us peace. And because the Father is so good towards me, how can I withhold that towards anybody else? It's because of the Father's love that we're able to love other people. You know, this whole month we've been talking about a church for generations that we are meant to be connected to each other. And you've been seeing this picture that has been uh, up there. Um, we've, been, we've been looking at the Strombeck, part of the Strombeck family. This is not the whole Strombeck family, that we couldn't get a big enough screen to fit the whole Strombeck family on, right? But I was talking with uh, uh, Rick Sr. not so long ago, and I was doing a video uh, with him and his wife uh, to actually to, to, to do a video that was going to be sent down to South America about their faith and how they walk with Christ. And, and Rick was sitting over in the corner. I said, I want to interview you too. And he goes, no, I'm, I'm not here for that. And I said, well, let's just have a talk. And he goes, I don't, I don't have anything to say right now. I haven't come prepared. And I said, it's inside of you. Just let me get it out of you. So he sat down and I asked him this question as well. I said this, I asked him a whole bunch of questions, but I said this one specific question. I said, you've been around for how long? How long have you been in ministry? And he goes, well, we've been married for... 60 years, right? My jaw hits the ground. That's a long time, right? We've been married for 60 years. And I said, how long have you been in ministry? And he goes, before that? I said, so at least 60 years. So you've seen six decades of the church come and go. You've seen it rise and fall. You've seen it grow. You've seen it develop into different things. If you had one last chance to say something to the church, what would it be? What would be the last thing that you would want to say to the church? And this is what he said. Don't forget your first love. Your love of the Lord. Your appreciation for what Jesus has done, what he, what he bought for us. It's such a sacrifice. Keep that precious in your heart. And as you, as you 
reignite your love with the Lord that allows you to be the evangelist, if we can use that term, or be the, the one that shares Jesus with a reality of who he is in you. So as long as we keep our heart for the Lord, we, if we continue to love him, then that love's gonna be shared with other people. That's what the church needs. It's love for God and love for people. What's the last thing you would say? If you had one last chance to say something to your family, what would it be? The fact is, you're saying it every day by the way you act. You're saying it every day by the things you don't say. You're saying it every day by the way you withhold yourself from them. Your children are watching. Your grandparents are watching. Your spouse is watching. I want us to wake up and pay attention. The last things that Jesus said was this. Everyone's going to believe everything you say simply by the way you love the person beside you. There's someone sitting right beside you right now. Could you embrace them and tell them how much you feel the Father's heart for them? Or you may be a bit too scared to say, I love you. Maybe you're too scared to actually show and say what you really feel. This is how we're going to grow the church. We're going to grow it because of what people see inside of us.